Welcome to Revive Family, Parenting in the 21st Century with researcher, author, lecturer, counselor, and coach Jeff Schott. Parenting skills are usually skills passed down from generation to generation. Do you lecture your kids like your dad lectured you? Or do you ask questions, seeking understanding? Jeff Schott probes parents Lisa and Jeff about what works in their family. One of the things that you've mentioned a couple of times, both of you, is this this need to ask questions. And, and yet, it seems so logical that we would seek to stop and ask our kids questions. But because of the wisdom we have and we can see maybe the right answer, and we just, in our busy lives, we want to jump in and provide that answer and, and even say, you know, do this or else. And that's where I find a lot of the pain coming from. When we're, as you've started to change your approach, as you've started to ask questions, what are some of the questions that you've realized you need to be asking your kids? The first thing is get how they're feeling. Do they want to just, it's as simple as, well, how did that make you feel? Or what did that do to you? Or, um, wow, were you expecting that? Um, And just get them back into engaging what was happening to them so you know where they're at. And they might not even want to talk to you. They just might want to vent. And I think the thing is, with asking questions, you've got to be ready to listen and validate. It's a two-part thing for me. Once I listen to my daughter or my son and um, who my son, very short answers, yes, no. <laughs> so we got to learn, he's got to learn to talk a little more and make sure that it's safe for him to do that. But um, my daughter, who's 14, Sarah, she's come such a long way, and she'll tell me, you know, oh, I don't want to talk about this. And you got, as a parent, have to be okay with that. You've got to respect them, validate them, and listen to them. And that's with that time, it's so important to just know that that's the time and just start asking how does it feel how does it feel that's start one of, there yeah it's a great question and especially i think when we've had interactions with our kids when something's gone wrong um i've found uh, you know jennifer was caught cheating on a test when she was 10 years old and my wife asked her the question how do you feel about that and she goes i feel horrible well, the second you hear that as a parent, oh, you mean I don't have to come down on them? Right. They already know it's wrong. They already feel horrible. So then what's the, the goal at that point? It was to help her get back in the game. It was help her start processing what had gone wrong, why she cheated, what she could do to deal with those feelings. And it was really the lack of preparation she had had. And now all of a sudden we're into this amazing conversation that leads to her understanding herself better, uh, leads to her going and apologizing to her teacher. And in all of that, the amount of learning that happened was amazing, where in the past as parents, we would have come down on her. Right. And, and when we came down on her, she would have shut down and there would have been no opportunity to discover why she ended up cheating in the first place, what she could learn from that, how it could be avoided in the future. It was an amazing process of asking questions. So asking the question, how do you feel? One of the other questions I found that was fun to ask my son when he was getting bullied was, is what these this bully is saying of you true? And my son 
at first said, I don't know. And I said, hmm, well, what are some of the things he said? And he listed out some of those things. I said, well, is that what mom and dad think of you? And he thought and said, no. Is that what God thinks of you? And he wasn't sure. So we looked up a couple of passages and no, he came to the conclusion, no, that's not what God thinks of you. So is it true? And he came back and said, no, it's not true. So then I asked, well, if it's not true, why does it, why are you letting it hurt you? Can't you just listen like, you know, when he's talking at you, the way he's talking at you, can't you just make him into the Charlie Brown teacher? Wah, 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 wah. You know, and all of a sudden his whole perspective changed. And so digging in and asking questions is really important. Jeff, as you think about asking your kids questions, what are some of the questions you would go back and ask? <laughs> Um, yeah, the, the specific questions, that's probably the toughest thing for me um, because, again, I'm the, you know, Lisa is the stay-at-home mom. You know, I have been more out and about and, and, you know, working in the business world and things like that. So, you know, I have this innate ability to see a situation and pretty well sum it up and for the most part, you know, pretty pretty spot on 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 what needs to be done, what's right or wrong, pretty decent compass in doing that. And, you know, I'm the one that probably has the most difficult time in figuring out those right questions to ask because, you know, it does take time to help your child go through the process in 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 understanding that situation and it you know it's not a quick fix it's a lot easier just to dump my wisdom and say take this and 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 do it right you know do the next right thing <laughs> and uh, i think my kids probably cringe when they hear me say that but uh you know that's uh you know that's the reality so you know i have to be honest i'm still learning um those good questions to be able to, to, to ask and, and how to interact because I've been the guy that has been so quick to have it figured out and just dump the wisdom and be able to move forward. So I'm behind mom on the learning curve on how to effectively communicate with our kids. So that's a, probably a better question for her because I'm writing, taking notes right now. Okay, got it. <laughs> well, so Lisa, what are some of the other questions that you've started asking that you maybe didn't ask before? Well, uh, a lot of times what I'll do is after I said, how are you feeling? And kind of get a buy-in that they really do want to talk. We'll say, well, what would you do different? Or uh, what do you think would be a better way to handle this? Um, you know, sometimes I'll get that far. Sometimes I'll miss, and I'll just start going. They did that to you. I can't believe. And then I have to. Oh no! Wait, 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 wait. That's I can't do that. You know, you want to empathize with your child, but at the same time, it, it, that's not the thing. You are there to guide. At that point, where it's you know, even when eight, nine, ten, you're there to pull that out and to guide them into these solutions and have and see their decision making process and see where they can um either go right or wrong for example if they're just say they're feeling really bad about themselves and they they want to be angry and everything well let them be angry with you be the adult let them vent with you let them get it out and then say okay now we've got this how should we take this and go back and maybe talk to this girl that hurt your feelings cuz Maybe she's hurting too. And maybe she doesn't have a mom that lets her vent. 
those are the kind of things, you know, and it just. Yeah, I think in terms of asking questions, it's it's really about taking a few seconds to assess the situation because every situation is different. Yes. So is there an equation in terms of questions? Not necessarily. Um, one of the favorite things, interactions that happened with my son was we got notice from a teacher that he, at the end of his his uh, first grade year, he refused to take the year-end test. And, of course, the first thing you think is you're mortified and they're not respecting the teacher. They're not this, this. And so your your initial response is to go, Paul, why didn't you, you know, take the test and come down on him? Instead, I grabbed him and I sat. we sat down on a little bridge over a creek and I said, Paul, is it true? That you didn't, you refused to take the test with your teacher. Yeah. And then they sent you to your special, because he's dyslexic, his special ed teacher. And she asked, and you refused to take it with her too? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so why did you refuse to take the test? It's stupid. I'm like, okay, why is taking the test stupid? Because I already know the answers. Okay, do you know why you take tests? No. So he's in first grade, been taking them all semester long. No one has explained to him why he takes tests. So I explain, you take tests to measure your progress and to see how smart you are. And I have a question for you, Paul. Do you want to be in the smart person's class or the dumb person's class? What do you think he said? Smart. <laughs> the smart person's class. And then I said, okay, well, here's the problem. You didn't take the test, so they don't know where to put you. And once we got done with that discussion, then I said, and there's also this issue about, you know, honoring and respecting adults. And there's this, we have to, you know, in society, there are certain things that happen and you kind of have to go with the flow. And in this instance, you didn't understand, you didn't see the need, it didn't make any sense. So I totally get why you said no. But in these types of instances, when you're working with a person of authority over you, you kind of need to say, okay, and do it anyways, and then come ask me, why am I taking these tests? Okay. But what was amazing is that I later talked to the teacher, and the teacher said, what did you do to Paul? He came in begging to take the test the next day. He, he broke down in tears when he couldn't take the test, you know. And there had been no anger. There had been no frustration. There had been no consequence. You can't tell me, though, he didn't learn because he's in there crying when he can't take the test the next day. Um, so looking at a situation and then figuring out what's the next question to ask, it's a strategic – it's almost like playing chess. You've got to be thinking two, three steps out on, okay, how do I move him and understand? First was understand. So the first principle is take time to understand. I had to get through three or four questions to fully understand that he thought taking the test was stupid and no one had ever told him why he was taking them in the first place. But then it's, okay, how do I help him see the need to take the test? What questions can I ask there? And so asking questions is an art form. And unfortunately, in our society, you would think we'd be good at it, but I've found we're horrible at asking questions. I was horrible at asking questions. Why do you think we're so bad at asking questions? You're listening to Revive Family, Parenting in the 21st Century with Jeff Schott. More in a moment. Resentment, unresolved hurt, and anger is a disease that kills more people each year than cancer. The cure is forgiveness. If you're carrying a heavy load of hurt and anger, forgiveness is the key to healing your head and your heart. 
UW-Madison professor and founder of the International Forgiveness Institute, Dr. Robert Enright, invites you to visit his website. Learn why to forgive and how to forgive. Learn about the peacemaking power of putting forgiveness inside of you. Visit internationalforgiveness.com. Many parents today fear the impact that society, social media in particular, is having on their kids. Researcher, counselor, and parenting coach Jeff Schott offers a better way to lead your kid and give you more influence than YouTube, Snapshot, or video games. Through research with 3,500 kids, Jeff developed a new way of parenting that's working for thousands of families. The program is called Influential Parenting. Get it today at revivefamily.com radio. Bring your kid's heart to life and peace to your home. Making the transition from high school and life at home to college and life away from home is one of life's greatest challenges for young people today. Fifteen years ago, researcher, author, counselor, and coach Jeff Schott was working for Campus Crusade for Christ at Arizona State University. He observed that many students were not making it through their freshman year. Nearly 30% couldn't handle it and dropped out. Their grades were good enough to get into ASU, but their lifestyles away from home produced failure. How did that happen? Jeff Schott researched the phenomenon in detail, and you can see and read what he uncovered at revivefamily.com. If you're a parent, you want your kid to succeed. Are they ready for life on their own? Nearly one-third are not. They'll fail. At revivefamily.com, Jeff Schott provides parenting wisdom to help kids prepare for the college transition so they'll succeed on their own. Find all the resources you need at revivefamily.com on your way to becoming a wiser, better parent. Continuing with Revive Family Parenting in the 21st Century with Jeff Schott. Why do you think we're so bad at asking questions? That's one of the things that I'm most excited about for the Youth Transition Network's YTN.org website is being able to connect with you and the vision of you being able to lay out the questions of the day that you know, maybe through a Twitter account, if I follow you on Twitter or anything like that, that I can actually get those questions because we have gotten really bad at being able to come up with those right questions. So I think that's one of the most amazing services that YTN is going to be able to offer parents. Lisa. I think that we as parents have to set our parent and adulthood aside and get on the same level as our child, whether they're first grade, fourth grade, we have to remember what it was like back then. Try and recall, try and get get to that level, and then talk to them, like you said, where they would understand. I would have never guessed he wouldn't understand why taking a test was mandatory. But that came out because you got down with them, say, well, no, about the teacher. Why do you think they take that? Well, I'd, I'd be clueless to ask those kind of questions. I've got to be trained. And that's why parent coaching has – it's revolutionized our family. And we're not really that good at it yet, but it's already helping even – though we're still doing a lot of things wrong. And that's really encouraging. Well, the good news is, you know, 10 years later into YTN, I still do things wrong. That's good news? Yeah, it it is. From this standpoint is when we start having a real relationship with our kid and we have a resolution process where they feel like they can bring up hurts with us, nothing piles up. And so I can make a mistake and they will forgive me because along the way, 
they've been bringing things up and I've been apologizing. And so now that I'm apologizing to them and they're forgiving me, now it's easy for it to go both ways. And what Mm -hmm. I've found in so many families today is that that isn't happening. And as a result, the frustration and the assumptions about each other and the conclusions we draw start to shape the way we communicate what with our kids now because they've done this and they've done this and they've done this and we've never heard or understood their thought process. And so they're manipulative or they're a liar. And then we start processing everything they say through that grid. And pretty soon things get further and further and further out of line. I saw that you wanted to say something there. What were you thinking? No, I I just was going along with it. And it's it, what you were saying is absolutely true. You know, you you're just getting further and further and further away and you think you're doing the right thing and you want respect every single time. Well, the kids have bad days. Parents don't even allow their kids to have bad days. You got to be on, 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 you know, just good grades, good behavior. Do not talk back to me. Be respectful. You're not allowed to uh, say a naughty word if you really are mad, you know, and we're putting these expectations, and I think that's the word I wanted to say, on these children that we as parents don't even keep. Because when they go to bed, we, you know, we're putting, <laughs> we're letting it go and talking, and and these kids are having to toe a line that we can't even toe. And I think that really has helped me in my perspective is a humbling. These these kids got it tough. They've got it really, really hard growing up, and they're really trying. And sometimes they just need a good friend. And sometimes with the question and answering thing, if you begin with the end in mind, and this is very hard for me to do, but it's like, what do I want this to look like when this conversation's done? Because again, it, it kind of blows my mind how I have to think through all these things. And I, But I need to take time and do this before I open my mouth, because if I just start opening my mouth, I blow it. So Take your time, take a deep breath and say, what's what's the end in mind? Okay, I, I just want my kid to process this. Whatever the outcome is, it's their outcome. And then I understand how they do this. And then we'll go from there. I just want to fix it all in one conversation, think it's done, and go on to the next thing. It just doesn't work that way. You mentioned earlier uh, whack-a-mole. Yeah, uh, that you were kind of as a mom, a whack-a-mole mom. Mm-hmm. What what does that mean? That little game at Chuck E. Cheese where you got this big mallet and the the little varmints are popping up and you're hitting whatever pops up next. That's called whack-a-mole mom, you know, and that's how I felt. And um, pretty soon they're popping up more than you can whack, and you just end up throwing the mallet down and saying, I can't do this anymore. I mean, I think that I think that without asking questions and finding out the root of the problem, the root of how your child is, is interpreting the situation and that they're involved in, it is whack-a-mole because, you know, you can chop off the symptom by hitting that mole on the top of the head, but the root's still there and it's going to pop up someplace else. Yeah. And I think I've found that sometimes when we start, listening to our kids, getting their perspective, allowing them to grieve. I mean, Mm. there's this psychological principle of grieving that we often short circuit as parents with our kids. We won't let them 
be sad. We won't let them mm-hmm. be confused. And then that normally in, in the grieving cycle then leads to some type of frustration or anger at the injustice of the hurt or the situation. And we won't let them be angry. And then we won't let them go through that healing process because we've got the answer. Just do this answer and it's fine. What has that created in your family, that lack of allowing the grieving? I think not allowing your child to grieve or be angry is probably the worst thing you can do because I didn't think my child had a reason to grieve. My child had everything. My child had a stay-at-home mom. She had extended family. She had anything she wanted and all the love I could pour in her. Why in the world would this child want to grieve? And if she did start that, then you're not thankful because I'm putting everything in to this relationship and you should be very grateful to me for providing this utopia that you're living in. Well, what a prideful statement as a mother. But that's how you feel because you're, you're worn out. You're trying to do the best you can and you get worn out. And here's this pride that comes in. And you go, no, you should not be, you need to be thankful. You need to write down 10 things that you need to be thankful for before you tell me. Well, that's just shutting my child down at that point. I never knew that. I thought I was putting a positive spin on her life and having her look at the good things instead of, life does have grief. Life does have anger. Life does have injustice. All these things that life offers, I wasn't providing my child the the privilege of going through these cycles and finding out she can come out okay with it and that life does go on and life isn't all happy little high notes. Sometimes you have, you know, the basses and the this and it makes a great sympathy, symphony, but I didn't get that. And it it brought my child into a very difficult situation. Now I have to carry that. But with the help of YTN, guilt, that's another thing. My child, why should you ever feel guilty? Let's justify this. Let's do. I was just, instead of asking questions, let's get back to the basic and letting her go through what a child has to go through because it takes time. Oh, my goodness. It might take two hours of my time. I got things to do. Nothing matters because it will come back to haunt you. So... When we're thinking about, you know, that root, um, I think that's probably the best analogy is every weed has a, a green part and a root. And the green part of the weed is the behavior we can see. And the root is the stuff that's going on underneath that I've found in my family and in our research is leading oftentimes to multiple bad behaviors. Because they've come to a point where they're so discouraged or so hurt that they're getting defensive and and when they get defensive then they get angry and and oftentimes i found even when they're hurt to try and look good because they're feeling bad they'll lie and it all stems from the same root and yet we've been trained over and over again focus on the green part of the the weed take away the cell phone focus on the green part of the weed take away the video game focus on that that ugly weed that's sitting in that front yard take away their privileges and and ground them. And yet what's piling up down below is more and more hurt, more and more frustration, more and more distance that develops between us and our kids. If you look back, do you see that distance now? And why didn't you see it before? I didn't see it before because 
I, I wasn't looking for it. I didn't know to look for it before because on appearances, everything was okay. And sometimes when you don't dig, you don't have to deal with it. And if it looks okay, maybe it is okay. So you might as well just do it along the way and dig deep and take the time to do it. And that digging deep really is that asking questions, understanding our kids' perspective. And Why is it them. so hard as a parent to hear our kids' perspective? Because I found it difficult myself. Well, you think you're, you have failed. When my child goes through a difficult time or is uh, getting bullied, the first thing, what did I do wrong? And there, there's a big ego problem there. There's a big pride problem there. There's a um, justification that a parent might feel like, well, you shouldn't feel that way. And I think that's what happens. You, you, you try to make fix the child instead of letting them learn. At least that was my thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people know better and let the child learn. Yeah. I just didn't. Yeah, I found I found in that situation where you know. Most of the time I was correct in the, the right answer, but I just dropped the answer on them. I'm, this is how you need to deal with it. You know, one of the things that makes my daughter cringe again is I've always had the philosophy from business that there's no such thing as a mistake. If you learn from it, it's a learning opportunity. Okay, it really wasn't a mistake. And, you know, I would try to share that wisdom with, with her to the point where, again, rather than having her get through the process. It was so much quicker and easier, I thought, for me just to be able to give that wisdom that I know for a 50 or a 40-year-old adult was the right answer. But I didn't let them get to it and work through it so that they really owned it. That's it for this edition of Revive Family, Parenting in the 21st Century with Jeff Schott. We'll return again next week with another program designed to help you become a wiser, better parent. Parenting in the 21st Century is produced in association with Faith Radio. Jeff Schott is a pastoral counselor and coach. He is not a licensed health care professional. What you've heard is not a substitute for seeking professional medical or psychological support.